Blog Talk Radio. Challenging, thought-provoking, insightful. This is the Ninja Pastor with Sunday's God in Country with Dr. Sean. Hosted by nationally known speaker, Reverend Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Not your typical reverend. Dr. Sean is a proud U.S. military veteran, former law enforcement officer, founder of the internationally regarded executive protection team. Through his riveting national speaking, this ninja pastor tells it like it is. This show is biblically and politically engaged in the battle to save our country, with a pedal to the metal, with this Sunday's edition of Sundays with Dr. Sean. Buckle up. Here's your host, the author of the critically acclaimed book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, Reverend Dr. Sean, the Ninja Pastor, with today's message. Welcome listeners just joining us across the country. Uh, tonight I'm going to dive into Second Thessalonians. I'm going to finish up just a little tiny tail end of First Thessalonians. Thessalonians. Look, I got my braces off and still can't say it. My excuse is gone. Anyhow, uh, we want to thank you guys for joining us here, both live and, and the radio audience. Uh, we had, what did I say, 17,000 and some odd listen live last week, uh, and then a total of 20, just under 30,000, I think, uh, all total with downloads. So that's awesome that that many people are listening. We're glad to have you. If you were here, your mouth would be full and you'd be really quiet because everyone's eating all the great food. And I mean great food. We don't mess around. So Sundays with Dr. Sean, Confederate flags, Obamacare, and gay marriage resolved. We're going to knock all that out today. See, aren't you glad you came? It's been a busy week, right? Busy news week. Busy week in the country. Lots of angst on the part of many in this country. I have a lot of Christians. I get about, um, I guess I have 30 38,000 unread emails at this point, so I get a lot of emails, and a lot of the Christians are saying to me, I don't know what to do, I'm, I'm forlorn, I'm lost. We have some here that, that reached out and said, hey man, I'm, I'm feeling hopeless, what do I do? Well, we're going to answer some of that tonight, but we're going to use scripture to do it. Um, the White House is lighted in LGBT rainbow colors at the command of the Manchurian president. And the state's rights and individual rights are nullified by the opinion of the Supreme Court. Remember, the Supreme Court does not, contrary to Chief Justice Roberts, they do not make law. They render opinions. And so uh, I think we're getting a little Twitter-pated a little too early at this point. But the fact of the matter is is uh, we can, we can uh, justifiably say with proof positive that something has gotten to Chief Roberts. So the, I think one of the biggest, the most egregious things, I think, is the, um, the White House had already planned to light up the White House. Uh, the White House administration, uh, the Obama administration had already planned. They had already had the staff, the ground staff, come in and change all the outdoor lights to rainbow lights to, and matching the color of the LGBT flag. To me, whether that was uh, the LGBT issue or any other issue, uh, I think it's egregious, it's in poor taste, and I think it's below the office. But when has this president ever risen to the office? He's always worked well below this office. Uh, he's made the White House a mockery, uh, an absolute mockery. Look, if you don't support gay marriage being forced upon the states, you're branded a hater. 
you're automatically a hater. If you do not view the Confederate flag as an offense, you're branded a racist. If you do not support Obamacare being forced upon you, you are branded a Neanderthal. If you're a Christian and you disagree with the left, you're branded a bigot, a racist, a religious zealot. But are you? In about 49 minutes, I guess, I'll weave the golden and scarlet thread of Yeshua and Scripture through modern culture to discern what the Bible says and what I, as a black robe regimen preacher, believe and recommend for, air quotes, the church. Share this with your friends. If you're listening on the Internet, send them a text message. Say, hey, you got to listen to this. And our bellies are full. There's good food. Um, I, we're on a trend with ice cream. And you know you have to eat all the ice cream because it's a perishable. And it's butter brickle. So Turkey Hill butter brickle. We've got homemade cookies. We've got banana. Is there any of the pie left? Is the pie gone already? So so banana cream pie, that went quickly. I had early intel on that. I was, worked, had a team on that early. Early intel. Chicken, a fantastic egg salad, homemade bread, some cheese. All kinds of just incredibly good stuff and great uh, salads. That is how we do it at RK Halal. So if you come here at 5, you're going to have a lovely meal. Uh, we all bring different things. And then if you don't want to eat uh, and you don't want to salivate, then you just come at 5.30. We go live here on Black Talk Radio. That's how we do it. What we're doing, uh, I get asked a lot, what is Kehala? We're following a Jewish tradition. I'm, I'm not Jewish, and I don't pretend to be Jewish, although I'd be proud to be Jewish. Uh, but we're taking this Jewish tradition a little step further for us in the community. As we use the word kehala, a kehala is a sacred community, a group in its origin formed by Jews who have joined together with each other to seek God, to explore and live out their understanding of Jewishness and faith to offer and to get support, to share joy and sorrow, to learn and grow together, to explore the meaning of their lives and the wisdom of their ancestors, and most importantly, to honor God through our, through our obedience to his truth. And as you might have discerned, we are politically incorrect, and we cut it straight to the point. We are unmistakably pro-Israel and pro-America, although I don't recognize the America I see today. I am Black Robe Regiment. We use the appropriate and accurate Hebrew words for the characters and places in Scripture. And, you know, as I said, I don't pretend to be Jewish, so I'm probably massacring some of these words, but I do my very best. Remember, the pens of the Bible were predominantly held by Hebrew people. And they were teaching us through their shared struggle and their experiences of faith. The Hebrew people and the origin, they are the origin of our faith. They are the people of the land, the original people of the land, Haaretz, and of our faith. Our faith originated with the Hebrew people. So why don't I use Jesus for the Son of God? People ask me that all the time, too. And this is why. Yeshua is the Hebrew name for the Lord. It means Yahweh, the Lord, is salvation. The English spelling of Yeshua is Joshua. However, when translated from Hebrew into the Greek language, the name Yeshua becomes Jesus. The English spelling for Jesus is Jesus, and it's like the game of telephone played over 2,000 years. I just chose to cut out the middle man and just call him by his actual name, Yeshua. Now you know the rest of the story. So now while you're thinking of it, if you're in a radio audience, click on follow or subscribe, or go over to uh, 
if you're if you're listening, blogtalkradio.com backslash the ninja pastor. Click on subscribe. That's really important. Follow us on Twitter at the ninja pastor. On Facebook, sign up. Click on sign up on facebook.com backslash God and Country Radio. Then you can check check out. Uh, we're also on iTunes. I always forget to mention that every week. We're on iTunes. It's free. You download them for free. Um, that's pretty cool. Uh, check out our free messages and talks that we have on theninjapastor.com. And remember our chat room. Welcome uh, with a bunch of people on there. Thank you for tweeting out the show. COG, appreciate that. Hey, folks, wasn't it a privilege to have Chris Ann Hall here? What a privilege it was. Uh, what a great job uh, that she does. And, and she's a constitutional expert. She's an attorney. And more than that, as I see you learned last week, she's a scriptural adherent. She is an expert on scripture. She knows the word. And she tells it like it is. And you know I like it when people tell it like it is. That's kind of my thing. So we were blessed to have her expert perspective and passion with us, ironically, before this week's um, Supreme Court of the United States opinions and the resulting chaos and conniptions of Americans, especially in the Christian community. So let me finish off 1 Corinthians, where we're just right at the tail end of 1 Corinthians, and then I'm going to approach 2 Corinthians. Then I want to tackle the, the SCOTUS opinions and this White House, the administration, and many in the community of believers. So right at the tail end of 1 Corinthians, or I'm sorry, what am I saying? Corinthians. We're going way back, y'all. What is that they do on uh, Facebook? TBT? Throwback Thursday? I never have anything for that, ever. So, uh, Thessalonians. Don't quench the spirit. Don't this, and this is, let me just say, I'm going to buzz all through this. I never interrupt myself, so don't worry. It'll be fine with plenty of time. Don't quench the spirit. Don't despise inspired messages. But do test everything. Hold on to what is good, but keep away from every form of evil. Okay. I lied. I am going to interrupt myself. Don't quench the spirit. Listen, have you ever been in a place where you really did feel uh, the presence of God there? We're, we're assured that where we're gathered together in his name, that he's there with us. But there are times where we feel his presence. It's stronger. It's, it's more powerful. It's, it's, uh, it's unmistakable. It's undeniable. And because it's so powerful, it's also wonderful. Sometimes it can be scary. But sometimes when the pastor gets up to speak, this has happened to me. Uh, this has happened to me actually on many occasions. Uh, my friends and family who have been there, and uh, when this happened, they knew what I was planning to speak on. They knew what I was prepared to speak on. And then all of a sudden when I get up, or maybe five minutes beforehand, God says, no, you're not going to talk about that. I've actually had conversations with God one of the biggest uh, you know, messages I ever gave to the biggest audience, I'm sitting there and, and literally five minutes before I'm to get up and speak, God spoke to me and said, no, 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 you're trying to talk about what you want to talk about. That's not how I do it. Let's talk on this. And I said, God, I don't have any notes. I barely have any paper. I had little pieces, little tiny pieces of paper. And I had a pen and I just started writing out, just writing out uh, what he was giving me to say. And at the end of it, this dear lady comes up and, and uh, she says, please tell me that was recorded. And I'll be honest with you, until I listened to it back, I didn't really have a solid concept of what I was saying, truth be told. I'm not saying I was speaking in tongues or speaking through the Spirit, but I'm telling you, the Spirit was definitely present, and I just trusted him. I, kind of that trust game where you lean back and somebody catches you, 
it was that kind of thing. Um, for me, an inspired message. And um, when I listened to it, it struck me that I couldn't really remember ever studying some of those things. So I said, hey, I better check myself. So I went to the scriptures, and everything that I said was dead on. And it, it blew me away. It was, it was kind of stunning. It wasn't something I did. It was something God did. I leaned back, and I let him catch me, and I just let him tell me what to say and what to do. That is a scary place to be. It's an awesome place to be, but it's scary. So the, so the passage says, but do test everything. So when I listened to that message, when I listened back to that message where I went in with one, and I prepared for, you know, people who know me and have seen me prepare, they know I prepare for hours and hours and hours and hours. And I was all set and ready to do one thing that was not even remotely related to what I ended up speaking on. So I said, well, let me listen to this thing and see, because so many people had so much to say. Uh, so many positive things to say about what that message meant to them. So I tested it. I went back and I listened to it, and I had a piece of paper. And every time I would say a scripture, I'd write that down and I'd look it up. You know, it was just one of those wild things. But I had to test it. It says to test everything. Hold on to what is good, but keep away from every form of evil. Hold on to what is good. Folks, we're in a place right now in our country where knowing what good to hold on to is the greater challenge. Knowing what it is that we can hold on to as a people that is good in the eyes of God is more and more difficult with each passing day. But keep away from every form of evil. How in the world do you keep away from every form of evil when evil is so encircling around you? May the God of Shalom make you completely holy. May your entire spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless for the coming of our Lord Yeshua the Messiah. The one calling you is faithful, and he will do it. We think of this as sort of a closing. Shaul, or Paul, is, is giving a closing. He's closing off the letters. But in reality, this is the deal. This is the, as my buddy Mark Kerr from the Center of Self-Governance says, this is the secret sauce. May the God of Shalom make you completely holy. Not some, a tiny bit, as much as you can stand, as much as you can muster. May the God of Shalom make you completely holy. There's something interesting in that statement that I think if we don't unpack it, we miss a great thing. May the God of Shalom make you completely holy. Who's doing the making of holy? The God of Shalom. The God of Shalom is making us holy. We can't do it in and of ourselves. May your entire spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless for the coming of our Lord, the Yeshua the Messiah. The one calling you is faithful, and he will do it. Here's the thing. It's interesting, the tense in this. Be kept blameless. May your entire spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless for the coming of our Lord Yeshua the Messiah. The one calling you is faithful, and he will do it. He will do it. May you be, may you be kept blameless. Be kept. Yet the one calling you is faithful, and he will do it. So when we call upon him, he is faithful to us. 
Brothers, keep praying for us, he goes on to say. Greet all the brothers with a holy kiss. Folks, I don't know what a holy kiss is. I have no idea what it's a secret handshake. I don't know what it was during that time. Some kind of special kiss. wasn't weird, apparently. I don't know. I prefer high fives or the dap, you know, the knuckle punch, but that's cool. I'm a hugger, too, so I guess that's okay, too. But greet all the brothers with a holy kiss. What he's encouraging is, listen, be, be knit together. Be close. You know, there's a word in the, uh, there's, if you smell good. I didn't put that in there, but I'm not in that. If you smell good, if you shower. Um, but uh, th- this is indicating an intimacy, not a sexual intim- intimacy or something weird or, or odd, but an intimacy among people. We have that here. Some of our people aren't here. One, my buddy Wes, he's out on a motorcycle in parts unknown. I think probably North Carolina or somewhere, or Florida, who knows. He's always going to far-flung places. Uh, Others are on a trip back from being away in Florida. And we miss them, but we keep up with them during the week. How are you doing? What's going on? What's happening? And when they're not here, we miss them. That, folks, is an intimacy of the Kehala. We had visitors last week, and one of the things that they said was, this is so different. This is something totally different than I've ever experienced in my life, in my church life. This was very relaxed. Yet I learned, I enjoyed it. Uh, the food was, as you say, amazing. But the people were even more amazing. What makes people more amazing is they're accepting, they're open. We're those Christians and Jews that are so hate-filled. You know, of course, we support the Confederate flag because we're racist, bigots, and hate-filled people. Although I hate to tell you, the Confederate flag has nothing to do necessarily with slavery and hatred and racism and all that. It was the battle flag of Virginia. The Confederate flag was a different flag. Sorry to burst your bubble, but so we removed the flag this week. We're those we're those Christians. We did that. We were fighting to keep it, right? Show of hands. Who all was fighting to keep the flag? Who who here even knew anything about the flag? Anybody? No. Most people don't. People in the South, we had a few people here that know about the flag because of no history. Few but the people in the South, can you imagine? Can you imagine? Let's say we have, now there's old glory right there. We're looking at that. That's the next flag to go. You understand that, right? Taking away a flag that commemorates. Now they're talking about the mayor of Memphis, Tennessee, is talking about digging up uh, the general that is enshrined. He's, uh, he's, there's a statue to him in Memphis, and, and he's actually buried there underneath the statue. They're talking about removing the statue, digging up his bones, and disposing of them elsewhere. There's a big push all across the country among these liberals who now say, hey, since we took away the flag, let's go through all these Civil War monuments and let's take them away. You say, Dr. Sean, what does that have to do with greet all the brothers with a holy kiss? Brothers, keep praying for us. Listen, If we don't, together as Christians, if we're not strong as Christians and and believers, if we're not strong, we're going to fall for a lot of things. I'm going to talk about that in 2 Thessalonians. I charge you in the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers. The grace of our Lord Yeshua the Messiah be with you. Why does he say, I charge you in the Lord to have this letter read to all all the brothers? Why? Why does he say this? 
He says it because this is important. You need to share it with those same brothers that you greet with a holy kiss. You need to share this information as an encouragement, as an exhortation, in some cases a rebuke, because that's what we do, right? It's believers. That's what we do. We stand. That intimacy is not just, hey, I made great cornbread. Want some? I'll share cornbread muffin with you, which I think cornbread muffin. They're not here. Sorry. I should have never said that. We did a few weeks ago have cornbread muffins, and they were gone in about a minute and a half. They were buttery and, oh, so good. Um, so, so it's not just that. It's also the tough times, right? But one among us had a car crash this week, and all of us were, you know, we were glad to hear that you're okay, and, and it was upsetting. Uh, a few weeks ago, one of my dearest friends lives just a couple miles from here. His mom, I've known for almost 30 years, I guess now, um, was in a horrible car crash, and she was life-flighted, and, and uh, you know, she's, she's, she's improving, but she's in very bad shape. As I understand, she'll be in the hospital for months. Well, that's a big thing, and, and, and so everybody in a family comes together, a good family anyway, comes together, and they say, how can I help? What can I do? The intimacy that they're talking about, the sharing of each other's burden, we're going to hear a little bit more about that in a second. This is kind of that. You say, well, I don't care about the Confederate flag. What's the Confederate? I don't live in the South. I live in the North. What do I care about the Confederate flag? Why, did, why was the Confederate flag? Why would that matter to me? Just take the darn thing down. If it's a symbol of hate and racism and bigotry, and a terrible time in this country, why don't we just take it down? Take all of them down. I'm seeing a lot of blank stares. Apparently that's not a good thing to do. Let me tell you why. I'll tell you why. Because if they can take a flag down, and Chris Ann talked about this last week, if they can say, now, now what is this in response to? Let's be clear. Let's have some context. This is in response to the shooting at the Charleston Church. Remember? Charleston, South Carolina, there was a church, crazy dude, hopped up on drugs, came in, and he just didn't hate uh, black people, he hated all people. They show a picture of him on social media with what? A t-shirt that has a Confederate flag on it. So immediately, the hue and cry, never let a good tragedy go to waste, says two things. Let's take away their guns. This would have never happened if he hadn't had easy access to a gun. Guess who gave him the gun? His father. His father knew he was mentally ill. He should go to jail. Oh, wait, there's already a law in place to handle that. But we should take away the guns. And number two, hey, see that terrible flag, that flag on his chest? No bigger than what I'm showing you here. He was a skinny punk of a kid. Let me just say, one person in that congregation with a gun, one person. He hears, that boy hears one shot fired in his direction. He's either putting the gun to his head and ending it right then and there, or he's running out of there like a scared chicken. Or he gets shot and killed. Here's the, here's the facts, you know. Um, the government that's in place now, the it, I talk about the it all the time. It, it is an entity. The it that is in place right now said, let's take this and let's work on getting the guns from the people. Now, they're not doing that because they love you. They're not doing that because they care about you. They're not doing that because they want you to be safe in your life. They're not doing it for that. They're doing it because when you don't have guns, they can fully and completely control you. So we see the, the, the T-shirt on this kid who did 
killed all these people. They were in a Bible study. You know he'd been there for an hour before he did it. They had talked to him. He's a white kid in an all-black church. He stuck out. One person. One person with a gun. One person with a mindset that said, hey, you know what? I love all these people. This fellow is out of place. Something's not right here. The little flag needs to go up, and I need to pay attention. And as he's going for his bag to retrieve his gun, you know he reloaded his gun twice, and nobody tackled him. Nobody grabbed something and threw at him. Nothing. They just sat there and got shot to death. Horrible. That shooting only ended when he decided to leave. I say there's a better way. The fact remains, because he had this picture of this Confederate flag on, all of a sudden, let's get rid of the Confederate flag. That's a symbol of hate. That's a symbol of racism. This white kid did this because he's a racist. Immediately, the Department of Justice, before the bodies were cold, had classified this federally as a hate crime. I don't know if many of you have listened to my show. Uh, Several weeks back, I did a show on the truth about crime. We're doing a series. Tomorrow's show is going to be powerful. You want to listen to this show tomorrow. Uh, We're hoping that Tom and Janine Borelli can be on. They're trying to work it out with their busy schedule, with everything that's going on, a lot of TV appearances and stuff they're doing. So we're hoping they can be on. But if they're not, believe you me, I have about eight hours of stuff to pack in a two-hour show. We're going to talk more about this tomorrow. But let me say this. They see uh, the, the left a confederate flag on this kid's shirt he's a white kid we classify it immediately as a hate crime and then we say take away the guns and while we're at it let's take away the flags the confederate flags because they're just nothing but uh, a symbol of hate and racism because that's what's going to fix it and what happens tremendous pressure was applied from the white house on nikki haley who otherwise is a staunch conservative strong solid good person Don't throw her under the bus just yet. Don't throw her under the bus. Don't quit her just yet. You see, because that's the other thing we do. Churches and Christians, conservatives, you know what we do? As soon as somebody does something we don't like, what do we say? Oh, that's it. You're a rhino. We're done with you. That's the wrong thing to do, folks. Nobody's going to agree until Jesus Christ, until Yeshua Hamashiach runs for office. There are no perfect people in place. We have to use our self-governance to apply tremendous, pressure to these people, to teach them and to help them be what they need to be, constitutionally and biblically. So here's the takes away the flag and what happens. Walmart, world's largest company, world's largest employer, world's largest payroll, says, hey, you know what we're going to do? We're not going to sell Confederate flags anymore. Anything with a Confederate flag, we're not going to sell it anymore. So then what happens? eBay and Amazon, they say, you know what, we're taking all of these Confederate flags, these symbols of hate, these symbols of division, and, and we're taking them, we're not selling them anymore. What are they still selling? You know, you can still get communist flags. You can still get a Che Guevara t-shirt on Amazon. You can get Muslim flags. You can get the ISIS flag. You can get all these different things. But you can't get a Confederate flag. You say, what is this to do with, listen, greet all brothers with a holy kiss. I charge you in the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers. The grace of our Lord Yeshua the Messiah be with you. You say, what does that have to do with that? Here's the thing. In the next 
book in Second Thessalonians, we're going to hear of things that are eerily applicable to today, to what happened this past week. I'm going to share some more with you in just a second. Second Thessalonians, uh, from Shaul, Sila, and Timothy to the Messianic community of the Thessalonians, united with God our Father and the Lord Yeshua, the Messiah, grace to you and shalom from God the Father and the Lord Yeshua the Messiah. I can't go on without saying this. Grace to you and shalom from God. From God. We'll never have peace if we try to only give it to each other. We're our only resource. If we don't rely upon God for our grace and our peace, our grace and our shalom, if we only say, hey, that feeling I got from church today wasn't as strong as I got last week, and therefore, I'm, I'm down. I'm not as bold. I'm not as strong. Grace and shalom come from God. We have to have a relationship with God in order to have grace, in order to experience grace, in order to experience shalom. We have to, we have, to have a relationship with God. Grace to you and shalom from God, the Father, and the Lord Yeshua, the Messiah. We have to keep thanking God for you always, brothers, as is appropriate, because your trust continues to grow greater and the love you each have for one another continues to increase. We have to keep thanking you. We have to keep thanking God for encouraging you. We have to keep thanking God for how you're doing, for the trust that's grown. We have to keep doing that. Why? Because it's a continual challenge. This challenge that we're in with all of the, and let's face it, let's be honest, let's be real, folks. When the lighthouse is lit up in rainbow colors, the White House, supposedly the most dignified residence in the world, is lit up in LGBT flag colors. That is the middle finger in your face. But let me tell you what this is about. This is not about advancing gay rights or LGBT or any of the other letters. It's, it has nothing to do with that. It has to do with de-godding society. It has to do with taking God out of society. It has to do with removing any reference that our founders felt so deeply, their connection to Judeo-Christian values. It has to do with ripping the cross from your mind. You see, if they can take a flag down and replace it with an LGBT flag, because in essence, that's exactly what they did. They made the front of the White House an LGBT flag. In the one moment, they're taking down something they disagree with that they don't like, but yet a majority of people have said, we don't have a problem with that flag. And then a minority says, we love this. This is for us. Two percent of the entire country and we put that flag up on the White House, and he's given the double finger, the double middle finger to you as Christians. If they can take one flag away, they can take old glory away. You know what else they can do? They can take away that cross that hangs around some of your necks. They can take away the synagogue and your right to go worship in temple all across the country. They can take one away. If you rely upon it, the government, for your rights, for your benefits, you're going to the wrong master. You are going to the wrong master. We have to keep thanking 
God for you always, brothers, as is appropriate, because your trust continues to grow greater. And the love you have for one another continues to increase. Why is that important? It's so important because if you think these are tough times for us as Christians, you ain't seen nothing yet. You've seen nothing yet, folks. We are absolutely in the challenge of an era. This is this has fallen to us to either fight and lose, fight and win, or not fight and acquiesce and hand our arms, our wrists, and our ankles to a new master, the shackler. And you can kiss your religion goodbye. You can kiss your freedom and liberty goodbye. You can, you can kiss the right to meet like this, not in secret. Goodbye. Why? Because the book from which we speak and I preach is now considered hate speech. You know, in Canada, you can't speak out loud certain passages of Scripture. Any passage dealing with homosexuality, you will go to jail. Cordeline, Idaho, there's a couple who operate a, a venue. It's, they're Christians. They're avowed Christians. They're openly Christians. And a gay couple came in and said, hey, we want to use your venue for our, our, our uh, same-sex wedding. And they said, mm, we'd love to help you, but our faith prohibits us from doing that. We just can't do that. Guess what? They're facing jail time. They are being compelled by the powers that be to hold same-sex weddings in their facility. Therefore, we boast about you in the congregations, this is verse 4, the congregations of God because of your perseverance and trust in all the persecutions and troubles you are going through. Listen, folks. He's boasting. They're boasting about you in the congregations of God. In other words, everywhere else they go, they say, hey, you should see that church at Thessalonica. Those are people who are bearing up under some tremendous stuff. They are a great example for you to follow. They're handling the persecutions. They're persevering the troubles that they're having, that they are having, that you are going through. This is clear evidence, verse 5, that God's judgment is just. God's judgment is just. And as a result, you will be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are suffering. For it is justice for God to pay back trouble to those who are troubling you. Let me say this about that. We are absolutely to fight. I got a lot of messages this week on different things that I wrote uh, and, and put out into the cyber world about they're coming for your guns next, but you know what we need to do? We need to take this judgment and we need to flip it. And we need to say, oh, okay, we're forced in all 50 states to observe gay marriage. Guess what we need to do next? We need to immediately seize the day. Never let a good, what is it, crisis go to waste. Let's not let a good crisis go to waste, and let's get reciprocal carry in all 50 states. Well, we don't agree with guns. Guns are different. Guns kill people. Sorry. So sorry. I'm sorry. We're going to have to do this. I say let's do that. Why not? Cite the precedent. It's a majority decision. 
cite the precedent and say, hey, we can apply this here. I'll have you know there are already uh, pedophiles. Pedophiles already petitioning to have their activities decriminalized as a result of this judgment. This is clear evidence that God's judgment is just, and as a result, you will be counted. You will be counted as a result. You will be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are suffering. Folks, we are such a microwave society. We, we want to feel the result of our efforts so quickly. Right? How many of you, I'm not a microwave guy, so I'm, I, I can only relate to this in seeing things on television, but how many of you put something in a microwave, and I don't even know how many minutes to put stuff in, but so you put it in, and let's say it's a minute, and at 41 seconds you're like, ah, it's good. You can't even wait 60 seconds for your food. Right? So you're going to the thing and opening up, ah, it'll be fine. We're in such a rush. We're in so, we want the result so fast. But listen, we're going to go through some serious stuff. This isn't news to this audience, this live audience, the Kehala, but maybe to some of you listening on the radio, maybe this is news to you. I'm one of those preachers that says, hey, Christians and Messianics, folks, we are going to have a tough road. People say, why? Why aren't you a pacifist? Tomorrow you're going to hear why I'm not a pacifist. But people say, you know, why don't we just pray and, and, and just retreat and pray? And How many places can you go hide? How many places can you go hide? Bible in one hand, sword in the other. I call my AR-15 a sword. It's, it's just a... Some people call it different names. I call mine my sword. I just don't believe, I just don't believe that we are called to retreat. I believe the gift of liberty is one of the greatest gifts that God ever gave us. He, he gave it to us in our heart. He, he birthed this desire, this craving for liberty in our heart. It came from him. And I don't believe he gave it to us for us to just give it away and walk away from it and say, well, Lord, that experiment didn't work. He put us in charge of it, and we didn't do a great job. But God's judgment is just. But we're going to have to go through some stuff. We're going to have to suffer before we're counted worthy in the kingdom of God. For it is justice for God to pay back trouble to those who are troubling you and to give rest along with us to you who are being troubled. When the Lord Yeshua is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. Let me, let me read that a different way. And to give rest. See, let's, let's read it how it is. For it is justice for God to pay back trouble to those who are troubling you and to give rest along with us to you who are being troubled when the Lord Yeshua is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in a fiery flame. Then he will punish those who don't know God. That is, those who don't listen to the good news of our Lord Yeshua and obey it. This is why. This is why we must stand for the truth. This passage is one of the many passages in Scripture which I think often we skip over because we think it means something it doesn't. But listen, folks. He will punish those who don't know God, that is, those who don't listen to the good news of our Lord Yeshua and obey it. What is part of our good news? Our freedom and our liberty is part of our good news. But you know what other, other parts of our good news are? Other parts of Scripture are? 
God says it's okay to do some things, but it's not okay to do other things. That's part of the Word. We can't go in and with a scalpel cut out the things that we want to cut out. Say, hey, well, I want to do that. I want to cut this out. I don't want to have that talked about. You all know I don't talk about gay marriage very much. I don't talk about homosexuals. I don't talk about uh, that issue very much. Here's where it affects me in my mind, in my ministry. I say, listen, it's never about equality. It never has been about equality. This whole racism mess that's going on, it's not about equality. It's not about repar- it's it's it's, ne- it's never been about that. It is an agenda by the power purveyors. And they have joined together the LGBT community. They've said, we are in a struggle. We shall overcome. If I were black people right now, especially those that were alive when Dr. King did his marches and, and, and said and did all the great things that he did, I, I would be so mad. How dare you join among me and tell me and classify this as your struggle? You have chosen a lifestyle. We can't choose the color of our skin. There's, there's nobody there's nobody in this audience, either, either live or here or on the radio, that can tell me that gay people are systematically abused. You just can't. I, I'm sorry. You you. I see too many too many uh, examples of pandering. I see too many examples of being careful in our military now. In our military, a great example. Sensitivity training, all up and down. Ramadan training, all up and down. You know, all of these different things. Um, Listen, the protected classes are not the protected classes any longer. They're the upper class because we've said, hey, we're sorry about slavery. We feel so bad about it. We'll never make it right, so let's give you everything. You know, gay people, we don't want you to ever feel as though you're not just the best, and we want you to always feel welcomed and encouraged to, hey, be not only part of us, you can come lead us if you like. My thing is, is I, I don't, look, folks, you do what you want in your bedroom. It's none of my business. I, I, I really honestly don't care. I don't. I, I don't spend a whole lot of time thinking about that. But I'm going to tell you this. If you go to my school, where my kids go to school, where my taxes pay, and you spend three or four weeks, you tell me you don't have time to teach creationism along with your, your goofy evolution. You don't have time, but you do have time to teach about Stevie has two dads or, or Molly has two moms. You do have time for that. You have time to teach all about homosexual issues. You have all the time in the world for that, but you don't have time for the basics and the fundamentals for which we are failing miserably. You tell me you have time for that. It, folks, it has never been about, I said it a minute ago, I'll say it again, it's never been about equality. It's never been about fairness. It has always been about advancing the agenda. And the fact remains, the Department of Education, a cabinet level, which was uh, a uh, reward from Jimmy Carter, the teachers, the first time in history this ever happened, he went to a specific group and said, teachers, public education, teachers and administrators, if you get on board and you work with me to help me get elected, I am going to form a Department of Education, a cabinet level, and and you'll have it better than you will have ever had it in your career. You do this for me. And you look it up. You look it up. Sure enough, Jimmy Carter. 
one of the worst presents up until this one I think I've ever ever heard of. Well, now on their on their all their social media and all of their websites, there's rainbow celebrating with pride. We're so happy, folks. You look on Facebook and you see all these people that have changed their they've changed their uh, their their pictures to the rainbow picture. Look, I don't want anything bad to happen to gay people. I have relatives, close relatives, who I love. I have close friends who I adore, who if they were in here right now and somebody said something ignorant or mean to them, you're going to have all 255 pounds of me up in your face saying, back it down. That's my friend. I'm not asking you to agree with what they do behind closed doors. I'm not asking about that. It's none of my, I don't want any parts of that. I disagree wholeheartedly. The Bible clearly speaks clearly to that. I don't spend a lot of time on that. I just don't. It's not that I don't think it's not an important thing. But but I'll tell you this. This image that Christians are beating up on gay people, that's just a rampant thing all across the country, is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. You know it's not true. I know it's not true. But we let them say it. That's part of our problem. We let them say it. But the Bible here says God will punish those who don't know God, that is, who don't listen to the good news of the Lord, Yeshua, and obey it. Let me say this real quick. Part of that scripture is incumbent upon us. I'm not a terribly evangelistic guy. Uh, you know, I believe in working with smaller groups of people right where you are and then expanding outward. I, I don't believe in, in, in going somewhere far flung for, you know, five days and $20,000 later and, you know, of somebody else's money. It's always somebody else's money. And and doing that, look, those people need Jesus, but there's people all around you that need Jesus. Let's work our way out. Let's work our way out. But here's the thing. If we don't stand up, we are directly in violation of this Scripture, if we don't stand up and say what we believe. If we don't say what we believe, if we don't say what the good news of the Lord Yeshua and we don't obey it, if we don't obey God, what we know in, in this Scripture, if we don't stand up for it, if you are ashamed of me before man, I will not know you. I won't know you. In Hebrew, it, it actually means I will turn from you. I'll reject any knowledge of you. If you don't know me, if you don't acknowledge me before man, I will turn from you. I'll turn my face from you. And what is God's face? What is Yeshua's face? It shines with justice and righteousness. It shines with His glory. And when He turns away, all of that goes away from that person. And that person is left in what? In darkness. They will suffer the just penalty of eternal destruction far away from the face of the Lord and the glory of His might. On that day when He comes to be glorified by His holy people and admired by all who have trusted, you will be among them because you trusted our witness to you. With this in view, we always pray for you that God will make you worthy of His calling and may fulfill His power and every good purpose of yours and every action stemming from your trust. Let me say that. Again, with this in view, we always pray for you that God will make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill his power 
every good purpose of yours and every action stemming from your trust. Every action stemming from your trust. Folks, we are the group. We're the people that Washington, D.C., it, our government, has said, you know what? You don't matter. They've said, not in effect, they've actually said, listen, Christians aren't as important anymore. Why do you think they work so hard from a historical perspective to erase our Judeo-Christian heritage? Why do you think they do that? Why do you think they try so hard in schools to, to teach our children that our founding fathers were not men of faith and that the great women involved in our founding weren't also great women of faith? Why do they seek to take away, to erase, to sanitize our religious history. Because this is all about de-godding our country. You say, well, Dr. Sean, I'm not sure why you've included the Confederate flag and Obamacare in this little discussion we're having. Let me tell you what. First and foremost, Obamacare is the last four letters of it care. Care. It refers to your health care. If you're over 60 years old, guess what? You you are classified. There's a numerical classification for your life worth in Obamacare in the Affordable Care Act. You have a life worth. Raise your hand in here if you're over 60 years old. Guess what? To our government, to it, you don't matter as much. In fact, you get points deducted. You say, well, what are those points? Do we get a prize? Do we get a free turkey at Thanksgiving? Or as we say where I grew up, Thanksgiving? No. If you need a procedure, and you're under Obamacare, you need a procedure, it's going to save your life, or it's going to prolong your life, and you're past the age of 60. They say, I don't know. Should we really be exhausting this resource? on this person over 60. And then there's a numerically based decision that's made that says you either get it or you don't. You either get that thing that's going to save your life or prolong your life or you don't. Someone makes a decision. These are the very same people that are so pro-abortion and yet are so anti-death penalty. Now, let me clarify. As it relates to death penalty, I'm pro-death penalty if it's absolutely conclusive that this person... I say it should include rape, any capital crime. I'm I'm for that as long as it can be justly done. My problem is the United States government, I don't trust them to do anything at this stage. Do I really trust them with the life of a human being? I don't trust them to administrate the Department of Defense. I don't trust them to support our soldiers in the field. I don't trust them to send us into a worthy and just war. So I don't trust them to take the life of somebody. But you know what? I don't trust them with one-sixth of our economy. Do you know that our health care literally is one-sixth of our economy? It's interesting to me that this fellow that did this murder of nine people in Charleston, South Carolina, in a church where they had welcomed him in for over an hour. And then when he decides he's going to get up and shoot and kill all those people, 
the guy was on drugs that are known to make you not only suicidal but homicidal. Look back in all the mass shootings in the United States and tell me what is the common thread. Psychotropic drugs. They always immediately come out, they being the press and the it being the government, they always come out and they always say, well, we're looking for a Tea Party, white Tea Party conservative wearing a Confederate flag and maybe a hood if we're lucky, white KKK hood. And you know what? Here's what's funny. It never happens. It's never that person. It's never ever that person. You know who it is? It's either an anarchist, total leftist liberal. It's not either. It always is an anarchist, total leftist liberal. Common threads being generally Democrat and always, so far, 100% on psychotropic drugs. You say, well, what has that got to do with our government? Our, gov- our government aren't drug purveyors, really. You ever hear of the FDA? You ever hear of drug approvals and how they work? Why are they? Why Why is the market being flooded with these drugs that are obviously incredibly dangerous? You know, you can make people do whatever you want on the right drugs. They'll do what you want. I'm not saying the government was behind any of this stuff, but I'm going to tell you this. Isn't it ironic that the first thing they said, they being the it of the government and the media, which is, let's face it, the government. We're looking for a white guy. We're looking for a racist tea party. Gun-toting, Bible-toting. And it never is that. And you know what else is amazing? They say afterwards, let's take away the guns. Come on, let's. we've got to do it for the kids. Sandy Hook happened, we've got to take away the guns for the kids. That kid violated the law, committed a murder to get those guns. By all all indications, if we can trust the the reports, the police reports, he spent an hour and a half breaking into where the guns were held at his mother's home. That is after killing her. We've got to do it for the kids. We've got to take these guns away. You say, how can you be a preacher and be so uh, fixated on this gun thing? Folks, they can take away a flag and replace it with another flag they can take away your guns. You say, well, I don't carry a gun. I don't own a gun. I'm not a gun person. Somebody with a gun is going to protect you at some point in time. Good people should have guns. Yep. Guns are pro-life, folks. Man, I love that. I'm going to use that. I'm stealing that tomorrow. Somebody write that down. Guns are pro-life. See, that's the thing. That's the thing. And you say, well, what does that, what does that have to do with church? What does that have to do with these, you know, uh, on that day when he comes to be glorified by his holy people and admired by all who have trusted, you will be among them because you trusted our witness to you. With this in view, we always pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and make and may fulfill by his power every good purpose of yours and every action stemming from your trust. What is every action? Let me let me ask you. I'll give you. I'll just give you a little example here. Let's say you go home to your home, and I hope this doesn't happen. I really hope this doesn't happen. I would rather it happen in my home than any of your homes. You go home to your home. You're, you're tired. You've had a long weekend. Lord knows you've been sitting up here listening to me after your bellies are full. You're just wore out. You just need a nap. So you go home, you go to bed, 
And all of a sudden, you hear that front door jangle. Then you hear glass break. And then you hear what is obviously somebody forcing your door. And they're in your home. You say, well, Dr. Sean, property's not worth dying for. That's why we have insurance. What did God give you dominion over? What did he say you are to, to care for? When you when you become a father and a husband, and we become a husband and a father, you know, uh, what, what are we supposed to do as husbands and fathers? We're supposed to protect our families. Our family lives in what? A home. That protection starts with creating as safe as possible of a home. But somebody comes in, they break in, and they, you know somebody's not coming to your house at 2.30 in the morning to witness to you, to see how you make that, how do you make that banana cream pie? That was so good. I just couldn't wait a minute longer. That egg salad, what's the secret ingredient? Yeah, eggs. (laughs) You know, they're not coming there to do that. They're not coming there to do that, folks. They're coming to take what is yours, and part of that what is yours is your life and the life of your family. Our obligation as followers of Christ is to appreciate and protect what he gave us. Part of our liberty and our freedom is to protect our liberty and our freedom. But Christians in this country have been beaten down, folks. You've been the bad guy. Especially if your skin is white. My goodness, you're the bad guy. You're the worst ever. Toting the Bible and being all about guns and whatnot. Talking your Jesus business. You quote a scripture and somebody you're a hater. My goodness, time flew. We've got a minute left. We're going to have to pick this up next week. You all talk so much, I just couldn't even... I couldn't get a word in edgewise. Listen to my show tomorrow. You are going to hear you are going to hear way more than this. Trust me when I tell you. In much greater detail. Listen to the show tomorrow. Tell your friends. Thank you very, very much for listening today. We appreciate it. Join us next time for Sundays with Dr. Sean. And please follow this show and the Collision of Faith and Politics radio show during the week at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash The Ninja Pastor. And follow Dr. Sean on Twitter at The Ninja Pastor and on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash God in Country Radio. And check out all the free messages, archive shows, and buy Dr. Sean's critically acclaimed book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, at www.drshawngreener.com. Join us during the week. And in the meantime, Dr. Sean will be fighting for you and for this great country. Thank you for joining us in this fight.